younger and when I was employed. Um, but I, I suppose there's an interesting aspect to that in terms of I actually met my wife. Um, she moved into the housing estate that I lived in, in the little village when I was 13, 14. And I mm -hmm. met her and we've been together since I was 15. Um, I'm now 37. So been together for quite some time. Um, and we've got four children together. But yeah, we had a period of time where we lived in the main city. But as soon as we had our own business, we, we moved back out to the village that I grew up in. Ah, uh, forgive me, but you don't look at uh, someone with four children. <laughs> you are going to tell us this, the, the, the secret behind that to continue looking as you are 15. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know what the secret is. Um, <laughs> to be fair, it's we do lots and lots of routine, lots and lots of structure. Um, okay. And you'd probably argue that we are old fashioned in terms of our parenting technique. Um, okay. I don't like the helicopter parenting hanging over them, waiting for them to, to about to make a mistake and then try and stop it. I'd, yeah. We'd both rather that our children make mistakes, get things wrong and learn from those so they can develop and grow to be good, good adults that can realize that you can't succeed at everything you do. It's, it's not possible. Um, so we don't, we tell them that it's possible if they've got something they really want to work at and it's something within their capabilities, then yes. But I don't like this thing of you can be anything you want to be because, yeah, you can't, I'm never going to be a creative person. I'm not a creative person and it's never going to happen. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, lots, lots of structure, lots of routine and lots of classic, more old-fashioned parenting, I suppose, is our, our sort of secret. Mm. And it's good that you mentioned that because uh, there's something linked to that that I have uh, had uh, several people talk about. You talk about allowing them to make mistakes and uh, learn from those mistakes. And then there's another aspect where I've met with people saying, I went through challenges when I was growing up. Like myself, I come from a place where we lack resources. And then they say, I don't want my children to go through the same way that I went through. So I'm going to make sure that they have everything they need and they're going to do anything they want just to be the freedom, uh, to, to be the free individuals and grow to, with the freedom that they deserve. How is that? Um, I, I definitely agree. Um, mm -hmm. I necessarily come from a struggling background. Um, but in our late teens, early twenties, we, mm -hmm. we were comfortable and we were fine. We were employed, we had good jobs. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that the job that I was in, I just, it lacked potential for me to be able to progress. Mm -hmm. So actually took a route where I took a significant salary drop to probably a third of my salary at the time to be able to retrain as an accountant. Mm -hmm. And during that period, we, uh, our earnings obviously were massively down and our lifestyle couldn't keep up with what we were then used to. So we had mm -hmm. to make many cutbacks. So all those luxuries, you know, all the eating out, all the lovely meals, you know, all the things like sky tv and all these things they all just disappeared we went back to absolute basics mm -hmm. and actually that taught us a great lesson during that time just to go actually it's very easy to become wasteful with money because you just learn to you just live to the means that you've got available mm -hmm. and 
we sort of went, okay, going forward from there, if we, if we go on this pathway towards success of what we want to be and we become more financially free, we're still going to be very considerate over what we spend money on. Mm-hmm. And we've made sure that our children at all times know the value of money. Mm-hmm. Um, they get pocket money, but they have to earn it. So it's not a default. You get this at the end of the week. They each mm-hmm. have a they each have a chore or responsibility. So one might be just to let the dogs out and go and feed them in the morning. Another might be to load and unload the dishwasher. And if they don't complete them for the week, they don't get paid. Mm. And they can use that to go and spend whatever they like. But the point is, they have to experience some pain and some challenge. And mm-hmm. there will always be those times where they go, "Oh yeah, but I didn't do it this time." And there's the excuses and everything coming out. And our view and our point is, can we afford to pay them money? Absolutely. Hmm. Should we pay them just because they did nothing and they get rewarded even though they didn't go through the pain of what they had to do? Absolutely not. Whoa. Because otherwise they're going to end up in, in the world and then they're going to go, what, I, I have to go to work to get money? I, don't, I can't just sit and play computer games and it just arrives to me. And yeah, we're just like, actually, no, we need to we need to sometimes give the difficult answer in the moment because it's the better answer in the long run. Wow, I love that. And now I believe uh, you are not in that state that you were before where you, you lacked and now you have uh, quite plenty, uh, maybe, I don't know, you tell us. But then um, I want to know, what is your definition of success? Like you would say, I'm successful and I'm living my life yeah mm-hmm. so i think i've learned obviously i've been with my wife for a long time since we were very young and we've learned to share what we're looking for in terms of success mm-hmm. my goal is to be able to do what i want when i want with who i want mm. and i'm significantly closer to that than what i ever have been but i'm not quite there yet i, I still play quite a fundamental role within our business and uh, there's about 25 hours of work per week that I have to do about another five hours or so that I choose to do. Um, but I'd still like to have more choice. I'd like that to flip the other way and go with well, this five hours I have to do and 20 hours maybe that I choose to do. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's very much about that having control of what I do when I do it and who with for my wife, Sam, which plays a big part. It was to have, um, and this is important, right? It's to have a home. Mm-hmm. Okay. She she went through an experience that up to the age of 16, when we moved in together, she went through a stage where she had 18 homes or 18 houses that she lived in over that period of time. Mm. So she never felt that she had a home and she felt a bit lost because a lot of those houses were from the age of sort of 12 through to about 15 And so one of the key things we wanted to have by the time our children got to teenage years was a house that we could call a home Mm -hmm. that at any point ever in their life, they're always welcome to be able to come back to. And in 2018, that's what we achieved. Uh, And we certainly marked that as a a massive success in terms of we've got somewhere that we knew we could extend the home, build it, develop it, and turn it into somewhere that we'd never want to leave. Mm. And by that, I get the picture that um, each individual has his own definition of success. What you may call success is not what I may call success. 
and and how would you advise the person who's listening to define his success or her success yeah great question um i think it's really important that you have to be true to yourself um for a let's actually let's give a little bit of context for a long period of time people would ask me if things were going well and i would define success but what i thought they wanted to hear mm-hmm. so i would tell people about the number of clients that we've got or the the size of our team and the reality was for me was to go i'm sort of lying to myself because i'd say oh we've got 600 clients and yeah life's great because last time we had 500 clients mm-hmm. but the reality of that situation was that it was 600 clients who were controlling my life and i felt out of control so we made a conscious effort where we would make sure that we were in control so we're now 140 clients but we do a lot more work for those clients but there's a lot less um of them mm-hmm. for me that gave some clarity to go actually mm, the process of finding your own success is to make sure first of all that you aren't living what you think somebody else thinks you should live to be successful mm-hmm. i i I've bought flash cars, I've I've bought designer clothes. It doesn't make any difference. It really doesn't. Because to me they weren't important. Mm-hmm. So I think it's that process of just sitting down, having some real good quality thinking time with no disturbances whatsoever. And just ask yourselves a question and just go, look, if anything was possible and I could do absolutely anything with my life and I would be um in a state of happiness what would that be and what would it look like mm. and then go okay how far away am i from that and then what are the stepping stones to go from where i am to where i would really really like to be mm. that's a great perspective to look at it and what is your business if i may ask yeah so we're described as accountants but really we're probably more financial coaches um we basically i uh, i think you alluded to this actually i think it's part of your question earlier that we help business owners move from surviving to thriving so that they can achieve their own version of financial freedom mhm mm. good and i like the fact that we are say you are saying we is not i it's not my business is it's your why why do you define it like that is it because of the your coworkers or why yeah i think because there was a long period of time that period when we had 600 clients it was me plus a load of assistants and it created absolute chaos and distraction and oh, yeah just pain for myself because mm-hmm. everybody wanted my attention everybody wanted my thought my opinion my answer so we made a conscious effort over a number of years to effectively kill me off if you like in terms of going that's not what we want we are mbs accountants we are the brand and that we are a great collection of individuals who are all very capable and all can deliver great results for people so now i only work with 20 or so clients so my my day is structured better i know those clients better i can help more but overall i can't do it on my own um i i've i've got some great strengths but i've also got some real big weaknesses as well and mm-hmm. there are 
plenty of great people who are hired specifically in our team to cover my weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be able to perform to the levels that I perform at if they weren't there doing things that my brain considers trivial or not important. Uh, and that's certainly not the case. Um, yeah, things like doing admin um, and yeah, all org- being organized. N- yeah, not one of my strengths. Highly mm. important, but definitely not one of my strengths. Mm. And is your wife part of it, or what part? What 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 part does your wife play in your success? Yeah, um, instrumental <laughs> would probably be the word. Um, and actually probably comes back to how you introduced it with, which I think was the power of two minds working together. And for a long period of time, that would not have been my description and my definition. Um, For a long period of time, I I viewed Sam, my wife as, as negative, um, always putting down of my ideas, um, not being forward thinking and, always being yeah always looking for problems rather than solutions and I very much viewed her as a challenge to overcome Mm. and then I had a bit of a breakthrough in terms of joining a mastermind group and being introduced to the book Traction by by Gina Wickman Mm -hmm. and it wasn't actually specifically that book another book within the same series called Rocket Fuel And Rocket Fuel describes what they refer to as a visionary and an integrator. Mm -hmm. And I read the opening couple of pages and it described all of those things that a visionary would view of an integrator that I just described of Sam. And then it flipped the other way and it described all the things that the integrator would view of the visionary and all the things Sam had thought about me, which were things like, you can never complete a task he's always looking for the next idea gets distracted by shiny things can't tell which of those ideas are um which of those ideas are amazing and which of those ideas are, are rubbish mm-hmm. and suddenly what we realized was uh, and i suppose the title of the book rocket fuel is actually when you realize each of you that actually if you play to your strengths and you recognize your weaknesses and you mm, sort of knit these two in together what you get is rocket fuel which is this incredibly powerful situation that can accelerate you forward at absolute rocket speed. Mm-hmm. And we went on a journey, probably, it probably took 12 months. And it, the, it doesn't need to take 12 months, right? It's not complex to do. However, mm-hmm. the hard part was me letting go of my ego. Okay. Mm-hmm. At that point, I believed I was the best at everything. And that's why the we is so important earlier that I mentioned and you picked up on. Mm -hmm. And we went through this complete change where I I let go of an ego. I started to let Sam in. I started to see her strengths. I started to really see what she was capable at. All these things that I used to... um, I used to take the mickey. Is that a phrase that you guys are aware of? Like, yeah, yeah. And things like like we're coming up to christmas yeah and one of the things that she will have already is she will have a spreadsheet with all of our children on it the budget's already allocated and she will go through she will mark off what she's bought how much that cost highlight it in one color when she's when she's wrapped it and it and it goes on and on and 
I always used to be, oh, this is just ridiculous. You don't need this. Just wing it and buy it. But actually, it always means that it's always fair. Everybody's always considered. Everybody always has the right type of gifts that are related to them. And I started to flip from seeing it as a negative to seeing it as a positive. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, today, I don't run our company. Mm. Sam, my wife, runs the company because she is all about structure, organization. She's great with people. And she knows how to make it, and, and this is going to sound wrong, first of all, but she knows how to make it boring, right? And by boring, I mean, all of us think, oh, yeah, we want excitement in our life. Mm -hmm. But if you run an exciting company, it's going to do sort of this up and down literally all the time. Yeah. And that, yes, the ups are really exciting, but the downs are, are really not. And what we now have is, if you look at the graph of it, it's boring. Mm -hmm. but it's predictable. And we can now bring excitement in as we like and when we want and on our yeah. terms. And I think that that breakthrough moment of where I realized and just started to see some so differently in terms of all these strengths, I, I forget about all the, the weaknesses and the challenges. And I think that big letting me letting go of an ego, thinking that I was the best and thinking I could do everything and allowing Sam in and just go, okay, you sort of do it. I think in the early stages, I thought she's going to get this wrong and she'll fail. But as I really started to understand and see it and see all the strengths, I was just like, why didn't I do this years ago? Because I think there was 10 years, I think, of running the company in my way of going through mm -hmm. all this pain. And yeah. And then we probably made more progress in the five years since we've made that shift, including the pain of doing the shift. Um, that we've probably made more progress in that time than we have in the, the previous 10 years altogether. Hmm. And I get it when you say the pain of making the shift because it's not, it's not always easy when you are with someone and you think that this person is going to do a better job than me or knows much more than I know and you're targeting to achieve one common thing and you want to be the voice that is <laughs> standing, that is hard. So I, I get it. I get it. Mm -hmm. Now, um, and then you have other people that you've brought in and um, they are working with you. Now, what's the process of bringing an extra person in, into the company? Um, what, how is that process today or how did I, how did I first go about it? And... Okay, you can tell us how you got started because and, and this is, this, this, I can use my example. <clears throat> I'm doing a podcast and I'm doing so many things. And I've been having the idea of uh, bringing in some support staff, like um, someone who would go and edit my, my staff, someone who would uh, get to interact with the guests before I meet them. It's not easy. I mean, I imagine that someone is not going to do the job the like I do it. So it's quite a challenge. So how did you get started? Maybe it's something that I could use. Yeah. So probably a key point here right that the way that i did it originally and the way we do it now mm -hmm. is the wrong way and the right way okay? okay let's hear them so the wrong way first of all was hiring people based off their, their resume their cv and you just mm -hmm. look for the skills and you just go oh that person can do video editing or audio editing or whatever and you just go oh my god and you get blindsided and you run straight after it and 
I think what you often get with that is you get somebody who is absolutely amazing at doing the technical part of the job. Um, can I swear on the podcast? <laughs> or would you rather I didn't? <laughs> rather you didn't. Maybe make it. Okay, no, that's all right. I'll rephrase accordingly. Uh-huh. You get somebody who you end up highly frustrated with, um, who you feel is an absolute pain in the neck because Mm -hmm. what you will probably find is they're highly technical, but you didn't consider um, a cultural alignment. Okay. And my view is we've got a culture defined by our underlying and values and beliefs. Mm -hmm. And for us, we've got things like um, you must do what you say. Mm -hmm. Um, You must um, show respect. You must show respect at all times. Yeah. Um, you must, um, what did I get to? Yep. So you must be able to take responsibility. Mm-hmm. You must be a team player. And you must be open and honest. Mm-hmm. And if you can't achieve all of those things and they can't show up with you or within you as a person, that I'm probably going to find it pretty painful to be around you long term. Mm-hmm. And in which case your, your skills become less important. And the truth is in most of these situations that if I can find somebody who I like to be around because they show all of those values, then actually they will show up very similar to me in terms of their underlying their underlying character mm-hmm. and there'll be somebody that I can trust far quicker and that actually there's somebody then that either I make sure I can teach them the skills and that I can or I can put them on courses that teach them the various skills that they need to have mm-hmm. whereas if I go the other route I, I've effectively got to reparent them and they've been learning that for all of their life, <laughs> how to behave like that. Yeah. And the last thing you want is somebody who's highly skilled and just annoys you all the time. Mm. So our process now is the complete flip. Okay. Um, first things first, we're very, very clear about who we want to go and hire. And we write our adverts like you would write a business advert, not a typical recruitment advert. So. Okay. What's in it for them as the potential recruit? What pain are they likely experiencing? And how will they overcome that pain by working with you? And then some case studies from our existing team of what it's like to work for us and why they enjoy it. And so therefore we find we're getting people drawn in who are, who are attracted to wanting to work for us. And to give, us, give you an example, by switching to that method, our last two jobs that we've advertised, we've had over 1,100 applicants for. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. Now there comes the second problem. When you've got 1,100 applicants, how do you work out who you're going to take through to the next stage? That's a tough job. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you ignore a CV, right? Because a CV is just a trailer. Yeah. Okay. All it does, all the bad bits are uh, filtered out and all the good bits are shown to you. And how many times have we watched a tra- trailer for a movie and it looks amazing and then you watch it and you go, well, that was disappointing. Yeah. Right? That's what we're trying to avoid. So we don't go to a CV. What we do is we go to a skills test, something that we've created that we know can test whether somebody could do that job. 
that skills test is not done under interview conditions. Okay. Because how, how many of us really have to perform our job role under interview conditions? You don't have somebody watching over you and going, oh, come on, how long have you got left to answer that question? Yeah, That's just not the reality. By doing that, we're not looking for perfection. What we're looking for is some of the questions are designed to go, if you can't answer that, you, you're going to struggle. Mm. But if you, if you can answer that one, okay, that's fine. We can work with that and we can, we can help you and move you forward. Mm. The great bit that what that does is mean when you come to an interview, it then becomes just like what this is. It's just a conversation. Mm-hmm. And all you're looking for is to go, can I get on with this person? Could I, could I go and have a meal with them and just go and have a chat and a discussion? And I wouldn't thinking, oh, this is going to take forever. I'm really bored. How do I get rid of them? Just somebody you go, do you know what? I could just spend time with you because actually you're just going to remove all that pain and you will now hire somebody who you know has some degree of the underlying skills with a little mm-hmm. bit of work to do, but also they have absolutely the right character because you're going through and you're asking those questions about, so we would use it and go, oh, it's a great question. I've, I've done this as a trial one when I've done, uh, I've gone into a school and helped people who are just about to graduate from school to how they prepare for interview and go, actually, tell me a time where you had to show respect, even though everything inside of you was screaming to go, I should not be respecting that person for what they've done. Mm-hmm. And you get the, tr- you get, you can reflect and you can tell somebody yourself, you can go, uh, this is probably a really British thing where you go, I was going through the door earlier and that person didn't even hold it open for me. They let it slam in my face. How disrespectful was that of them? And actually what I still did was I still smiled. I still, I still got on my day. I didn't go and shout after them or do anything like that. So I was still yeah. hey, be respectful to that person because maybe they're having a bad day. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Mm. so you give an example and then allow them to feed out what their situation is and i find off that you start to get the real person and we get far less surprises where you're three months in and you go oh my god they weren't like that in interview mm-hmm. right and yeah. that's through experience mm-hmm. so. yeah uh, thank you for that and um at this point, let me thank each and every person who's watching us right now, and also who may be listening to us in the recorded version. Thank you for taking your time and watching us. And uh, we have God Save who says this is a great discussion. Thank you, God Save. We appreciate that feedback. And at this point, let me ask you, Ian, to the people who are listening or those who get to watch us later on, um, do you work with people on one-to-one basis? I mean, not only what you do locally in your business, but do you work with people virtually? And what do you do when you work with them? Yeah, so um, we we work with people who mainly have a business. Um, mm-hmm. We work with the person behind the business because what most people seem to get caught up in is working um they, they're trying to just push the business to grow and grow and grow and it comes yeah. back to one of your earlier questions about what's success right the business is not success the business is a tool that helps you to be successful 
Mm -hmm. okay? And it can also help you be unsuccessful by consuming all of your time and all of your life as well. So yes, we work with people on a one-to-one -one basis and we work with people um, actually through, all throughout the world. We don't just have a team within the UK. We have a team based in the Philippines as well. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we have clients all throughout the world who are stuck on that pathway to achieving what their version of financial freedom may be. Mm, that's good. And we thank you very much for taking your time here. Now, so far I've learned uh, several things. Like uh, my definition of success doesn't have to be yours. So we can come together, each and every one of us going after our own success. We bring to the table our strengths and our weaknesses. What we are going to pay focus on is our strengths and uh, assist one another to deal with our weaknesses or stand for one another and the weak areas and each and every one of us achieve our own success. That's what I've got from here. Uh, but how would people follow up with you if they wanted to? Because um, you shared quite much and people would want to be together with you to know much more. Yeah, so the best place is probably go and visit our website um, where you can find not only obviously details about us, but there's links to, we've got our, our own podcast um, there's lots of blog content and everything on there as well. Mm. And that's at www.mbsaccountants.co.uk. Mm -hmm. And like I say, podcast and everything's on there. Um, I'm quite, I hang out on LinkedIn a lot. I am present on Facebook, um, but not as much as I am on LinkedIn. Okay. I think I have much more on Facebook than LinkedIn. Also, I, although I have an account in, uh, on LinkedIn, so maybe we'll get together and share each other's strengths and help one another in the area of weakness. Now, that must be marking the end of this show. But before we go, we would like to ask you to leave us with a few words that we should always remember. Which are they? Yeah, I think if I was going to mark with something that, um, that I think you should always remember is first and foremost, protect your own mindset. Um, that I think it's very easy, particularly with, with lots of challenges and everything going on in the world, particularly, you know, if you go and consume the news at all. Um, one of my best shifts that I ever made was not listening, consuming, watching the news at all, um, just to keep complete clarity of mind. And it just enables me to focus on what I want and what I can achieve without me being dragged towards a negative state all the time. So protect your mindset at all costs. Wow, that's some great advice. I don't watch the news myself also. I always say there's something very important for me to know. It shall get to me some. <laughs> yes. Yes, uh, so that's, uh, that's all for today on Now Tell Us. And our guest today was Ian Morgan. Me being your host, together with Ian, we thank you. And now we are saying bye for now. Cheers, everybody. Bye-bye. Yes, thank you.